When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How does the offer of free beer sound to you? As a loyal listener of the show, we'd like to reward you with just that, free beer. Thanks to our friends at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash city and cover just four ninety five for the postage. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair, and this is our last show of 2019. Quite a year for the Blues, and quite a lineup on this week's show with not two, not three, but four guests. In no particular order, fresh from Abu Dhabi, welcome to David Blakeney. Uh, fresh from Malta, welcome to Sarah Messenger. Fresh from Zagreb and Arsenal, welcome to John Stapleton. And fresh from Longsight, welcome <laughs> Tony Newgrosh. Thanking you. <laughs> Listen, let's start with a brilliant response from the defeat the previous week, a 3-1 win against the Arsenal. Um, Sarah, you were there. Must have enjoyed that. I did enjoy it. It was particularly the first half. Um, The Kev masterclass, as most people have acknowledged. Interestingly, though, I didn't think we played that well yesterday. I mean, we didn't play badly. 3-0 at at Arsenal is always a good result. But uh, it wasn't sparkling, dazzling football. It was three lovely goals and not a lot else in between, if you ask me. Pep, Pep would agree with you. I think he said he, mm, he reckoned we Well, I thought he was played. right. Yeah. Yeah. John, you're, you, you've travelled in a Zagreb, the yeah. Arsenal. I'm I mean, still thawing good. out from Zagreb, by the way. <laughs> Zero <laughs> degrees in a stadium with no roof. We'll, uh, we'll come first, on to that. At first, we'll come to that a little bit later on. I, I was more impressed than Sarah, actually. Uh, I was slightly surprised to read uh, Pep's comments uh, this morning. I mean, I thought we took them to the cleaners in, in, the, in the first half. The goals were spectacular. Kevin De Bruyne was, uh, well, I, I think you tweeted, Nigel, it was a privilege just to watch, to be there, to watch that. Such an effective display. And hats off to, to Fernandinho, who we'll come to it later, but I think is just, you know, such a star. I mean, the way he ran through that defence for, for, the, for the first goal was amazing. And also credit to Jesus, who, who contributed uh, extremely well, certainly for one goal, and I think maybe for two, I can't remember. He did contribute for two, that's right. Yeah, uh, fantastic, a lovely afternoon, and unfortunately the atmosphere like a cemetery because the Arsenal fans have nothing to shout about. They didn't. Tony, your reflections, do you want to start with KDB or have you got uh, other things you want to talk about first? Well, we've got to get on to it at some point. Oh, it was an astonishing performance, wasn't it? I mean, what struck me was just Arsenal did not learn the whole game. They just stood off him, stood off him and let him run the show. I don't think they even kicked him once. So he's a world-class player and if you give him that much time and space, he'll punish you. And two fantastic finishes, very nearly three. Good of you to join us, David. I mean, Abu Dhabi's nice this time of year, I hear. But well, so I was there to advise him, you know, and shake my saw, tell him my thoughts, but didn't get to see him. But anyway. Not this time. <laughs> Not this time. Uh, but I th- again, I, I'm actually in between. I think we sort of picked them off when we wanted to. We got the goals. We contained ourselves. I don't really think we seem to have the appetite to take it any forward in the second half. And it's funny, an Arsenal fan said right at the beginning... So you're just going to pick us off when you want. And then we just went, one, two, three, job done, and take it easy in the second half. They were dreadful. 
they, they were poor. Can we just let, let's talk about KDB for a second, I mean, Sarah? People talking about him being the best midfielder in the world, uh, just how his performance was just world class. What, what what is it about him that excites you? Why, why do you think people are calling him the greatest player on the planet? Because he is. Um, <laughs> Uh, certainly at the moment. I mean, I don't think there's a midfielder that can touch him at the moment anywhere in... Uh, well, I'll, I'll stick to England and the and Europe generally. I can't comment on whether there's some amazing player in South America that I haven't seen. But um, it's his... I mean, it's, you know, it's his technique, but it's his... It's the way he thinks as a footballer that makes him special. And the way he sees things, a bit a la David Silver as well. They see things, they anticipate things... There was one. There was a pass yesterday, I think, when he was going down the wing, and everyone expected him to do one of his lovely curved balls into the centre, and he didn't. He cut it straight back across the middle of the pitch to somebody who had time to be on a deck chair smoking a cigarette and drinking a pina colada to pick the ball up and then decide what they wanted to do with it. And it's that kind of thing which you don't see from very many players, and but you do see it from Kevin De Bruyne. And John Pep did say that he does he does see passes that no one else on the planet sees. So just talk us through because he. he scored two and made one mm-hmm. and could easily have had a hat-trick. I think yeah. an excellent save from the keeper just tipped it onto the post. Just just talk us through those goals, would you, and uh, the, the view you had and your thoughts of how well, brilliant they were. Well, I, I agree with Sarah. That's the, way, the way he reads the game, I mean, it is brilliant. He, and he you know, times his tackles, he runs into spaces. Where, and you think, why is he doing that? Oh, yes, that's, I now understand why. He's, he, he's got a fantastic footballing brain. But that, you know, that, that first goal was... was was just sensational, uh, and in fact, all, all, all three. I mean, he, you know, others played their part, but the, the, you know, he, he should and could have had a hat trick. One thing I love, he just glides with the ball. Do you remember Colin Bell was called Nijinsky, mm-hmm. and you just think of Colin Bell Nijinsky gliding with that ball. He makes it easy. He opens everything up. That's what he is. He's a modern-day Colin Bell. I have said it before. He does remind me of Colin Bell. Yeah. There are three people on this panel who will be able to comment on this. I'm looking at you. Oh, four? Yes. Really? I was there for his Just, comeback game in 77. Really? Yeah. I, excuse me, you, you're such a fresh-faced young thing. I was surprised. Yeah. When I bought this suit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to a previous show to understand that comment. Uh, he, he, he does remember, so those who remember him, he, he does. Just the way he runs, just the, his, his vision, the way he passes the ball, he, he, he does remind me of Colin mm-hmm. Bell in many ways. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, just, just, just quickly, on his second goal yesterday, when he got the ball off Foden, the way he received it and was turning his body as he took that ball... So Genduzi only had two options. Either number one, which is what he did, a half-hearted little tap of the arm and Kev just brushed him off, or you foul him, in which case we get a free kick from... It, it, it was the way he didn't turn to trouble. Often you see players receive a ball in that position... And they don't glide away into into a position where you can then hit a shot, and that's it's that kind of thing I think. That makes One other special. thing about him too that I, I, I failed to mention when, when first asked to respond is in a, uh, only a few minutes to go before the end of the game, we're winning three nil, and he was really riled and really upset when when the referee pulled him up for what he thought was a perfectly innocuous tackle. And, 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 you know, I mean, why bother? You know, <laughs> but f- fantastic enthusiasm, and I also think. He actually marshals the team. Um, I mean, David Silver, I think, you know, wonderful guy, fantastic guy, but perhaps isn't the best captain we've ever had. Uh, you know, company was sensational. And I think, I think Kevin De Bruyne has sort of taken over that role and actually inspires, encourages and urges them on in a way 
similar way to, to that which accompanied it. I don't want to criticise David. You know, he can't be all things to all men. He's a fantastic guy, but he's perhaps a bit too quiet, perhaps a bit too shy mm. for that role. Kevin isn't, by all accounts. One other significant uh, piece of news was that Phil Foden started an away game for the first time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of pressure on Pep, a lot of press talk about he should be starting Foden, should be giving him more time. Played well in midweek, and he gave him his chance. So, yeah. uh, and he took it, I think. I, and he seized it. And I, I don't think I was the only person in the stadium who was actually slightly bemused when I saw him taken off at what I consider to be a fairly <laughs> early stage. Maybe he's saving him for Oxford on, on Wednesday, where, of course, he last time around in the Carabao Cup, uh, Phil Foden uh, scored his first goal for City and, and it had, a, had a great game. Uh, it was an interesting lineup, wasn't it? I was a bit surprised by that to see him, Gundayan, and, and De Bruyne all in the same team. Uh, but for me, he's, he's a class act. I was, you know, slightly surprised by one or two people around me who said they're still not convinced by Phil Foden. What do you want to see? Uh, the programme seller outside certainly was. As I turned up, he said, "Oh, you've seen the news," and he was. Uh, sort of in a red and white scarf, he was so enthusiastic, he was looking forward to seeing him. And uh, you too, I guess, Tony? Yeah, I thought he did very, very well. Likewise, surprised he came off. I think it would be nice to uh, have left him on a little bit longer. But he is certainly one for the future. I thought he uh, put a good shift in for the team. And uh, I look forward to seeing about another 20 years out of him at City Shares, I hope. <laughs> I think the situation is, he played midweek, he, he started this game, and he's clearly going to start, isn't he, against Oxford as well. So I think Pep's just kind of yeah. looking after him a bit, I think, the lad, isn't he? I, or was, I it, ta- or was, it, was it tactical? At no, his legs, I think his legs were getting a bit tired. He's going to play against Oxford. I just think it was the right thing to do, actually, give him a bit of a rest. He's not going to play three whole games on the run, is he? What I love is we bring him him off and bring Bernardo Silva in. And then we bring Mares on as a second substitute and you see who Arsenal bring and you go, there is a massive gulf here. Any final thoughts on Mr Foden before we move on? Uh, None other than, to add to to what the the guys have said, other than um, probably the biggest compliment I can pay him is that when I heard that he was in the team, not for one minute did I think, oh, bloody hell, David can't play, or why is he playing Phil? Is Bernardo injured? Didn't cross my mind. To me, he's he's an an integral part of that squad, and if he starts, great. If he doesn't, you know, it's the same as not starting Bernardo, David, Riyad, or whoever else. It's a bit of a sad reflection on Arsenal, though, isn't it? That you look at Arsenal away as a sort of easy game to blood him in. But mm. it was, wasn't it? You know, some other teams have tried to be overly physical with him, but yep. he went on that pitch and he uh, played all the way around him for, uh, 90, for 65 minutes. He was and I on. don't want to take anything away from City's performance, but they, Arsenal were woeful. Mm. That, is, uh, that is arguably the best, the worst, best, the worst team, uh, Arsenal team I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it was embarrassing. One other area of the pitch I want to talk about, and that's Mendy versus Zinchenko as well. So sort of Mendy, who, as you've, I think, mentioned, Tony, been in and out a little bit and uh, come back from his injury. Zinchenko was on the bench, obviously had some knee surgery. Thoughts on that, of who would be your first choice, how Mendy performed, seemed to give the ball away a bit, didn't he? I wasn't convinced by him, I don't think. think. I think Mendy needs a lot of game time to get himself back. He's been out for two years nearly. And unless he starts playing and getting game time, he's not going to be the Mendy of old. So I'm a little bit torn between him getting more game time and Hussein uh, Senko playing a bit more as well. I mean, I think we missed him a little bit. I think we need a bit of both, if I'm honest. 
It's quite you can only play what, one left back. Though, no, I know, but thing. what I'm saying is, well, we can play two left backs if you like. Is that what, what you're suggesting, pet? David? I, I'm just saying. What you've been I drinking miss, in Abu Dhabi? I think they both are good in different ways, and in my opinion, what I meant is. If we could get them rolled into one, we'd be oh, all so right. Stick them in a blender and you yes. get the perfect Correct, left back. Yeah. With Angelino on top, yes. <laughs> no, no. Although it's a good cross for Angelino, but I think Mendy's good when he gets going. Who's your, who would you start with? Let's say they're both fully fit. Let's say Sinchenko's now completely I, fit. I just, I'm just so... I so want to love Mendy, and I don't. And I know he was great at Monaco, and I know he had terrible, two bad injuries... But he actually just really frustrated me yesterday. And we could see a lot of him because you're low down at Arsenal on the left wing, and particularly in the second half. He, he, he played OK, actually, in midweek. He had one, probably one of his better games. But if you can't take on Arsenal, who were playing as badly as they were, the number of times he had space to take somebody on and cross it into the box and instead went diagonally back, I lost count of. And so... And I and I don't trust him defensively either. And he wasn't hugely tested yesterday. So if we're not getting defensive solidity from him and he's not providing potency in terms of attack, I'd rather have Zinchenko. He provided plenty of social media content climbing into the crowd. I think knowing where you were sat, he'd he climbed right quite in front of me. I, I thought he must have been. Right in front of me. But that's, that's what he does, isn't it? And that's probably what he's most famous for or infamous for. <laughs> Uh, I share Sarah's view, actually. Out, uh, in Zagreb, in the second half in Zagreb, he played well. It was like the old Mendy. Lots of crosses, dangerous crosses in, in, into, the, into the box from which we profited. Uh, but I share your concern about his defensive inability. I was also sitting, you know, si- sitting there thinking, why aren't you running forward? Why aren't you taking advantage of your pace? You've got pace. Why don't you take it down to the byline and cross it back? You know? He seemed reluctant to do so for some reason. I would put Zinchenko in ahead of him to be honest with you. I know Zinchenko's not the perfect left-back, and that, you know, the lad isn't a left-back anyway, but he's adap- adapted very well. But I would put Zinchenko in against him, uh, up, uh, in front of him, uh, any time. Can we, before we move off and, and talk about Zagreb, and I'm keen to, to start with John on that, because he was there, uh, still, still thawing out, um, can, there was one other issue, of course, of a certain gentleman sitting next to Pep, Mikel Arteta, of course, and I understand he had uh, some mates knock on his door early hours of the morning and the paparazzi just happened to be outside and snapped a few shots. Uh, Your thoughts on that kind of, is he going, isn't he going? And then, actually, Ray on Twitter has asked the question, actually, is it a good move? Uh, I'm not sure if that means a good move for him or a good move for City, but uh, either way, what's your view, David? I think he's mad if he goes there. You look at what he's got for your first appointment to go to... See, everyone for... I really believe... Now, Arsenal's problems are so deep-rooted. They've got no infrastructure there. The owners don't know how to actually build a proper structure in a football club. They, you know, they rely because they forget. Wenger did everything there. Now they've got no one to do nothing. They're, they're completely lost. And to go with such a poor infrastructure, I don't think it's a good move. Might be wrong, but... And I think he might go. Tony, you've got a different view? No, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, Arsenal is the club we could have been if we weren't careful. We should be very, very grateful. We have a plan. Now, he's 37. He's learning off the best manager in the world. Pep, how much longer will he stay at City? There's been lots of chat. I don't think he's going imminently. But if I was Mikel Arteta, I'd be thinking in two years, if I can get some assurances that I will be on that short list, why would you go anywhere else? I might have a bucket full of more trophies in the meantime as well. So, look, I hope he stays. I can't see how he can turn around Arsenal, as David said. So stay at, I think, the best club in the world. 
Arsenal legend, hero's welcome when he walks in the door. See, interestingly, he's not really an Arsenal legend, though, isn't he? I mean, he was a good player for them, but he's not a Bergkamp or a, an Henri or even a Vieira who probably would get a little bit more licence than Arteta will if things don't turn around easy. I mean, I think, that, you know, that David and Tony are right that Arsenal's a mess. It'd be, I think he'd be hard pushed to make a real success of it. But on the other hand, perhaps, bearing in mind he's obviously ambitious, it may well be that when Pep goes, he will automatically be in the running for the City job, wherever he happens to be. So if he can go off for two years and make a success of it at Arsenal... It doesn't preclude him from being considered for the City job anyway. So I think he'll go if he gets offered it. OK, before we move off uh, and go to Zagreb, anybody think that the league hasn't gone? League gone? Liverpool's, Leicester's, not ours? Anybody uh, got a slightly different view? I think it's virtually gone. I mean, I think that um, uh, it would be an extraordinary turnaround if we, if we achieved it, and I, I frankly don't see it happening. All right. Let, take us to Zagreb then, John. Talk us through your trip. Uh, lovely place, let me tell you. I was very pleasantly surprised by Zagreb. A nice city, very welcoming people, uh, some very nice bars and restaurants, some beautiful architecture. Um, and apparently it's only in the last decade or so that it's become a sort of tourist attraction. And I think all the city fans I talked to who, who've been there said, yeah, what a nice trip it was. Uh, I'd also gone there, you know, being... Slightly hesitantly, but concerned a little bit about the behaviour of the Zagreb fans in Manchester was not good. They ripped out all the, or a lot of seats in, in, after the game uh, at the Etihad. And were a bit sort of, well, fearful, to be honest with you, about the prospects for, for after the match. As far as I could see, not any bother at all. They, the, the Zagreb fans were fantastic. They were chanting you know, for their team, right, even though they were getting absolutely stuffed right until the very end. There was no aggro after the game, as far as I could see, anywhere. And uh, this, apart from the weather, uh, which I've already mentioned, freezing cold and a stadium with no roof, um, it, was, it was a thoroughly enjoyable experience. Our performance in the second half in particular, I thought, was classic. I mean, great, great stuff, great stuff. Very, very glad of Jesus. He's been very patient. Where, you know, you've got the two goals at Burnley, two more there. Uh, I'm really, really glad for the lad because he works so hard uh, and he's living in the shadow of a genius. Uh, it was, uh, could have been a banana skin, couldn't it, Tony? Well, so it potentially. Yeah, 1-0 down, away from home, a game that didn't really matter. We could have thrown it away, especially, as you say, cold, wet, miserable night, almost in Burnley, but as cold. Uh, no, I thought a very professional performance, delighted for Jesus, job done, win the group. Uh, let's see what the next round brings. Which we'll come on to. So, kind of a, a dead, a dead rubber you couldn't, you couldn't find, and I talk about banana skin, but actually gave us a bit of momentum potentially as well, which is kind of how I think they saw it, didn't they? If we go there and get a win, it might well just allow us to kick on. I think, that, is that how you saw it as well? Yeah, so? they really needed that second half performance. I, I, you know, much as the result didn't matter, I wasn't overly uh, delighted at the prospect of losing the derby and then losing in midweek. And on Arsenal, it was a little bit, you know, they'd managed to beat West Ham. What if we went to Arsenal? And they pulled their socks up and gave us a game. Um, so I was pleased to see that result. And, that, you know, I mean, that's what, you, that's what they should deliver for the, the talent that they've got and the professionalism they should have. So it was good to see. David? I thought it was a typical away performance for City. The sort of back to the City we know. You know, we did what we needed yesterday. So it was sort of... It's so frustrating, though, to play like that in Zagreb, play well yesterday, and lose to United like we did. You know, draw at Newcastle. I mean, just, just 
I can't stand why we throw throwing things away at the moment. Points, silly points away. Very frustrating. It is, which is why we think the league's gone. But we're, yeah. we're in loads of cup competitions. Yeah, tough one coming up. So what do you think of the draw then, oh. David? The, the, so just to remind well, everybody, Real Madrid, round of 16, we have away been, first. Let's face it, we have had so much luck in our cup draws over the last two or three years that we were going to get a hard one at last. But we, this, if we beat them, then it might make it easier in the next round. <laughs> so you never know. Tony. You've got to look forward to it, haven't you? They're not quite the team they used to be, Real. We've got the uh, second leg as we would like at home. So, look, we go for it. You know, these are the, you know, this is not Oxford away, as I remember, in the, in the league, never mind the League Cup a few years ago. And, you know, we've all been, I was at Gillingham for a, cup, a league game. This is it. This is what you get when you're in the premier competition in Europe. Let's embrace it and enjoy it. And I think it's not till, what is it, mid-February? Yep. Hopefully Laporte will be back, hopefully Sane back. I think we've got a good chance. You're excited, Sarah? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I mean, it's what the Champions League's about, isn't it? And I, 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 I think that um, you know, there's a lot of debate among City fans about our attitude towards UEFA and whether we should boo the, the, the anthem and so on. Personally, if we hate the competition and we hate UEFA so much, in a way, we should stop going to the games. If we go to the games and we want the, and secretly, we all really want City to win the Champions League, then we sort of have to get behind it. And if that's true, what better game than Real Madrid at the Etihad to finally kind of get a real atmosphere, a European atmosphere? Because the last time we played them, we sort of limped out with the Pellegrini side, didn't we, in the semi-final? One of yeah. the most disappointing City performances, uh, I think. Uh, the big build-up, it was awful. I was it? there and it took several bottles of white wine to get over it, I can tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it was not good, not good at all. I, we we did, didn't turn up, did we, at all that, that, that night, uh, which is a great shame. Um, this time around, my son, who reads the game far better than me, uh, texted me this afternoon and said, eminently beatable over two legs. And I think they probably are, actually. They're in disarray. And we've got the advantage, uh, as has been said, of the, you know, the second leg at home. Why not? OK, well, listen, we're going to talk about Oxford United away. We're going to talk about Leicester City. <sighs> They're above us, you know. Well. And then we're going to talk about a bit of a review of 2019. And that's all coming up straight after this. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. Welcome back. Let's talk about the Carabao Cup quarter-final, Oxford United away. Tony... How many kids are going to play, do you reckon? Is this 11 kids or six? What are you going for? Uh, there'll be a fair few, won't there? It's great. I love it. I love the League Cup. It's always been one of my favourites. It's a friendly place. A bizarre stadium with no, no stand at one end. Apparently, so that the fans can see the supermarket that the previous owner owned. Uh, that may be myth, but it's a good story. <laughs> he used um, to have six stands. I remember going there yeah. in the 80s. There were six different stands, which was very odd because there was only... 
four sides to a football stadium. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, but and friendly play. I, what I remember about it last year was the manager. I was up in, in, in one of the posh bits, courtesy of someone else, and the manager came in to talk to us and addressed the assembled throng and said, "Well, we're not, we're not, we, I, we're not going to win this." So I never heard a manager in Mark say before. <laughs> He's quite right, of course. He didn't. Uh, so, so he could argue. He's very perceptive. Uh, but yeah, it was easy peasy. It was Phil Foden's night. Uh, it could be Phil Foden's night again. Um, I enjoy these games. They're good. They're good. It's great for Oxford United. They'll fill the stadium. They'll make a lot of money. Uh, hopefully, and we'll walk away winners. Easy win. Hopefully, I mean, I think he'll. In terms of the team, I think the only thing we could say with some certainty is there's probably four players who he will not risk in any way, shape, or form: Edison, De Bruyne, Fernandinho, probably Jesus, in light of. Or possibly Jesus. Well, I think I think Aguero's back training again today. Right, he's, okay. He's but, you know, there'll be three or four players who probably won't even be on the bench. So I think it will be a mix. There'll probably be three or four youngsters and then the rest will be... Go on, then, give, give us, give us the, the first teamers who are going to play then, if there's going to be four. Give us, give, us your, give us your three or four, if it, indeed you think there's three or four. Foden? What, what Foden will play? Yeah. Um, I think Walker will play... I think um, I think Jesus will play. I think he tends to play in those sort of games now, doesn't he? Yep. Uh, Bernardo will play. So that's my four. Okay. Mares, I think he'll get a run out. Cancelo. Yeah. What's happened to him? He's mm. sixty million pounds, and he's well done nothing, has he? That's Very disappointing, isn't it? Actually, mm. I was thinking that the other day. I, I, I'm jury's out as far as I'm concerned on Cancelo, 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 whatever is, however you say, it. fifty-eight million quid. It's a lot of money for a fullback. Mm. I think I think Garcia, Howard Bellis, you know, try them both out at centre half. I yeah. think Jesus has to play because I don't know who else you play at centre forward unless you play Sterling. And I thought Sterling uh, at the game uh, against Arsenal looked tired, frankly. Uh, he didn't do much at all. So I don't know who he put in at centre forward if Jesus is not there. Well, they will have one eye on the weekend, of course. We've got Leicester City mm. who riding high in second place. Um, I did say on another radio show recently that I believe City will win the win the league, and they all laughed on me. I said Leicester City, of course, is who I'm talking about. Um, so, so if it's not Man City, they're all obviously backing them to try and uh, overturn Liverpool's lead. Uh, big game, big game, Saturday evening. Uh, Leicester come to town, and I do worry about their front line against our our back four. It does worry me. We're going to concede, aren't we? We are going to concede, <laughs> yes. Well, we'll, we'll all be surprised at the, on the next podcast if we didn't concede against Leicester if they play to their potential. Um, you know, I suppose the, the one thing I would say is we are still a better team than Leicester and that's not to detract from how brilliantly they're playing this season and how well Rodgers has got them not only organised but the kind of style of play that he's instilled into them. So they're a really, really good team and playing very, very well. But we're a better team, so if we play well, we will beat them. What do we need to do, David, against Leicester? Because, I mean, they are back to that sort of form that saw them win the league, um, where everybody, I remember, saying, oh, they've not had any injuries, they're going to come a cropper, and they just carried on going and carried on going. And Rodgers has got them well organised, they're scoring goals. Uh, I'm worried. I just think, uh, cut them out in midfield and try and keep all the pressure on them. I think that's the only way. We don't can't rely on Vinny this year to get a magic goal. Uh, I just think we've got to cut the supply chain off for them and just not let them get that ball through. And um, it's not going to be easy, but I think it's going to probably pack that midfield a bit more. 
Thoughts on Leicester, Tony? Yes, run fast as well would be uh, my advice. Um, yeah, it's a worry, isn't it? I mean, United and Wolves, I remember talking about after the Wolves game here, they showed how you play against City away. You hit us on the break and you hit us fast. And I don't doubt Leicester will try exactly that. They'll sit back. Yes, we'll have plenty of the ball, but we have to take our chances. I think that's where I think we've not been as ruthless as we could be this season. If we take our chances, we'll be OK. Um, Crumb of comfort, Norwich City held them to a draw, didn't they? Uh, having said that, Norwich City beat us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, not, let's not forget. Um, I agree with everything that's been said. It's a very, very tough encounter. Uh, if we come through this one, I could see, you know, we'll, we'll obviously decrease the gap between us and them. Um, and I think I can see a faint glimmer of hope. You know, who knows what Liverpool are going to do? I don't think we're going to do it. I don't think we're going to win the league. I, I really don't think we're going to win the league. But who knows? You know, it's just possible. Almost the worst result would be a draw, wouldn't it? Because then yes. neither of us are going to catch Liverpool. <laughs> Terrible. That would be awful. Um, listen, time will tell. Uh, the next time we come back, of course, uh, not entirely sure what date it's going to be, but sometime in January we could well be equal with Liverpool or about 23 points behind, I think, um, if my maths work is working right. Uh, we shall wait and see. So let's, let's, for the final few minutes, let's just think back to 2019, if we can. It's always difficult. I'm not talking about a season review. I'm talking about a, a year review of 2019 and maybe some of your reflections and some of your highlights um, of the year that is about to end. Um, so, Tony, what uh, what thoughts and reflections do you have on uh, a year that saw City pick up a number of trophies? It's been a brilliant year, hasn't it? And yes, we've had the odd disappointment late. Let's not forget, we've been to Wembley twice, we've lifted two trophies, we've won the league in a fantastic race. It's been brilliant. I've loved it. The highlight for me, possibly Vinny's goal, I think, that lifted the roof didn't it that's that's why you go to football that's why you suffer for 40 years so fantastic yes bit of a dip but i'm very hopeful next year will bring us more silverware sarah your thoughts and reflections well he, he, tony's put it beautifully but it's been the best year of in manchester city's history to to win all four domestic trophies that were available the women won two as well um it's, you know, it, it, the dip is probably maybe just slightly making us reflect a little more negatively about the totality of the year. But actually, if we look at it, 20, uh, 2019 has been the best year in Manchester City's history. So more of it, please. And in terms of there are so many highs, uh, we've mentioned Vinnie's Garmin, mean, that, that FA Cup performance against Watford's almost been forgotten, sort of a, pretty much a record scoring FA Cup final that amazing win at Brighton, just being able to relax, knowing that we'd won it and so on, having had a few seasons winning the league with just kind of fingernails being bitten. It was wonderful to win it in those terms. Yeah. Is, is there a particular highlight? Tony's talked about Vinny's goal. Is there a particular highlight for you, or are you going with Vinny's goal as well? Um, well, it's hard to top Vinny's goal, but I, I'd probably go for the 2-1 the win over Liverpool because that's what really started to shift things in terms of the momentum for winning the league so that's probably what I'd And you just remember the atmosphere that night was yeah. absolutely yeah. fantastic I don't think I remember the Etihad quite making a noise like that it was absolutely fantastic uh, David uh, I just think the 14 game winning run and every week Liverpool winning us winning Liverpool winning I've never been so nervous in my life watching City. And we've all been nervous many times. It's funny, it's not fun though, is it? <laughs> and I remember the Burnley game. I could barely watch it. I was going out in the kitchen, coming back in. I just couldn't bear it. That was probably one of the, the most nerve-wracking games. 
I went to the last again. I thought that was just unbelievable. And then the joy of just being at Brighton and watching us win the league there. And, and, and I think just seeing Aguero get that equaliser, knowing because we could have got a bit nervous and think we might blow it here. And it's just, I mean, it's just the excitement of the whole run. I don't think many fans will ever go through that again. John, sorry to do this to you, but you've been watching longer than anybody else in this studio Thank tonight. Just, another just reminder. Just, just, rem- just to remind you, my friend. Yeah. Uh, but but just how do you reflect on such an amazing year as 2019? Uh, with, with great warmth and, and, and great appreciation uh, for what our owners and our manager and the team have achieved. Yes, I do remember those days. I mean, my time goes back to the 1950s, and I remember, you know, sixties were great, late 60s were good, 70s were pretty average, 80s were pretty abysmal at t- from time to time. And when you, when you reflect on this is the same club that lost at York City, you know, had to take on Port Vale, etc., etc. And many of the clubs like that compete against Colchester United in the driving rain one Friday night, I remember. Uh, and I wasn't there. I wasn't there. So before anyone tries to claim I said I, I was and I wasn't. Uh, it's astonishing what's happened to this club. You know, to take away four trophies, you know, in one year is just absolutely amazing. And I just feel very privileged to have been a witness to it and you know yes it's been it's taken a little bit of a dip since but the season's not over yet not over yet uh and i you know i'm very confident we'll come away with something one of the you know the vinnie goal i i think was special but i agree with you david that that day at brighton was was knockout absolutely knockout when we actually cracked it uh and there's so many performances to look back on, too. I'll tell you one guy, I don't know whether you're nominating player of, player of the year, but obviously De Bruyne is, stands out. But one guy I'd like to take my hat off to is Fernandinho, you know, who was actually adopted into a completely alien role and, and come out with a five-star sort of rating, in, in my opinion. What a, what a guy, you know, done brilliantly well. At, we've missed him in his traditional role, but he's achieved so much in the one, and he's adopted one, and, yeah, star man. Lovely to look back and reflect. Um, thank you all very much indeed for that. Uh, as I said, this is our last show of the year, our last show of the decade, in fact. And I just want to take this opportunity to thank all my guests, uh, to thank the team at Playback Media, to thank our sponsors, to our amazing engineer, Leon. Yeah. And most of all, our listeners. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, have a great Christmas, a happy new year. And this is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.